movies, all those comics, all the games, all those toys, all the TV, the animation. Just give us, just give us one hour and 45 minutes and we will give you everything more. Maniacs, and welcome back to This Week in Marvel, the official Marvel podcast of all things sound, visual, extra special effect, time. Time is the third dimension. (laughs) I'll stop rambling. I'm Ben Morse, the editorial director of Marvel Digital Media. I am sitting here with assistant editor Tucker Marcus. And we are alone right now. It's just the two of us because uh, Ryan Panagos, Agent M, is dealing with some pre-New York Comic Con craziness, uh, the type of stuff that comes up. Once when you're doing New York Comic Con, when you guys hear this, we'll already be in the midst of New York Comic Con, and hopefully it'll be going great. Yes, we'll be excited. Hopefully, indeed, Uh, we should have some cool stuff. We're going to bring you guys. uh, Go to the go to the website marvel.com/slash/nycc2017. Find all the good stuff there. The live coverage, the panel coverage. Uh, We're hoping to have some audio for you. Uh, We'll have video all weekend long. It's going to be great. It's going to be awesome. Yeah, really exciting. Um, but New York Comic Con brings with it a lot of work. It also brings with it a lot of opportunity, as Ryan will hopefully be joining us later, and he is not alone, as uh, our good friends from the West Coast, Ooh. Christine and Eric, are in the house as well. So we're hoping to welcome them to the party and do a little bit of synergy. That's right. It's been really wonderful to have the entire team under one roof. Yeah, how's it been? Yeah, it's been really I wouldn't nice. know because I've been up in a creative retreat for the last three days. So while you guys have been down here partying hard, um, I've been hobnobbing with the likes of Jerry Duggan and uh, uh, yes. Dan Slott and Brian Bendis and, and the likes and some, <laughs> some new people as well who I'm actually not going to reveal their names because uh, we're going to keep that top secret. Um, but needless to say, it was very cool. It was very productive. It was a great creative summit. Got to see a lot of good ideas come to life. Uh, you guys are in for some awesome comics coming up in the years, months to come. Awesome. But let's talk about the awesome comics you're in store for today. Uh, let's. Starting with all new Guardians of the Galaxy number 11. Written by Jerry Duggan. Art this issue by Roland Boshi. Um, colors by... Give me a minute. Credits. Credits. Credits page. Don't do a stop. Uh, I don't know where the, co- the credits page is. I'll come across it as I go, I'm sure. There it oh, is. Colors by Daniel Brown. It was mixed in here. Okay. This is a very cool, creepy story of the Guardians of the Galaxy. But the Guardians of the Galaxy are not actually in it. It's starring my favorite character. Yeah. Nova. I knew no- you would pick Nova this book. Nova Richard Rider. I got to pick it. It's a Rich Rider jam. Of course. Basically, Rich Rider gets summoned to a, a hollowed out Nova starship uh, by Agent Scott Atsit, who, as we know, is now a Nova. Mm-hmm. And um, another Nova. They basically say, we, we found this distress signal within this um, within this ship. And it's from Robbie Ryder, uh, Robert Ryder, Rich's younger brother, his kid brother. And um, Robbie basically had become a Nova towards the end of the Abnett and Landing run. So he, we didn't know what happened to him. We assumed when all the Novas went into the Cancerverse and sacrificed their lives, he was there. Mm-hmm. What we find out from Robbie is he may have been somewhere else. So Rich feels bad. He feels guilty. He's like, 
if I had known my brother was alive, I would have been searching for him this whole time. A lot of angst, a lot of good emotional stuff. We flash back to Xandar where we find a haggard Robbie Ryder at the mercy of the raptors. Uh, you learn a lot more about the raptors in this issue, but you also learn about the horrible way a raptor is created. Mm-hmm. I'm going to have to get a little vague, Tucker, as I get into the latter part of the issue. But yes. needless to say, some not-so-cool stuff happens to Robbie. Uh, Rich does make another appearance, not necessarily to save the day. And by the end of the story, something horrible has happened to Robbie. I'm not going to say what it is, but it leads us to the birth of a great new character and actually shows us the secret origin of a character we have already seen. So just some cool gymnastics, uh, writing gymnastics that Jerry Duggan is doing, uh, kind of twisting around, using his plots, using old characters. But really, this one tugs at my heartstrings. Mm-hmm. Uh, perfect art by Roland Boshi, Dan Brown. It was very spooky, very eerie. Felt like a like a space uh, horror story, like Alien or something yeah, like that. Yeah, is totally. That, is that the sense you got? Yeah, totally the vibe. Yeah, so that's what I got from it. I loved it. Definitely go pick up All New Guardians of the Galaxy number 11. Awesome. My pick, first pick, is Astonishing X-Men number four, written by Charles Sewell, uh, pencils by uh, Carlos Pacheco, uh, colors by Rain Barreto. This one really took me by surprise in a strange way. I don't know if I've I've just not been uh, paying enough attention to this book, but I... You're not known for your attention span. Yeah, that's what. Yeah, uh, that's very true. Uh, uh, we pick up in London where Wolverine is on a rampage. Old man Logan. That's right. Uh, it, it, excuse me. I, the the gray hairs are very. Uh, apparent and uh, a bunch of different mutants are trying to take him on. They're all failing, and they uh, specifically Psylocke gets a mental uh, communication from none other than Charles Xavier. But wait, you're dead, Charles. And then and he he responds to that very question. Uh, I'm dead, but I'm not gone. Listen and survive. Mm. And he uh, essentially uh, provides a little assistance into uh, uh, Psylocke and also Bishop, who are trying to take on Old Man Logan. Old Man Logan crashes out of a uh, uh, a skyscraper. And then we cut to the astral plane where Mystique is is hanging out with Phantom X. And uh, she's kind of, uh, you know, she's pontificating about why she likes to be where she is uh, on the astral plane. She says it's that they're in an apartment that she once had on Madripoor in the 1920s. Uh, cut back to uh, Bishop, who is crashing out of the same skyscraper. Very cool use of Bishop's powers here. Very inventive, very I smart. I loved clever. this scene. Bishop is essentially, f- f- uh, sh- you know, shooting towards the ground off of this giant skyscraper. And the, the, uh, the commentary on the page goes, this fall would kill most men. Lucas Bishop should be screaming in terror, his many, many lives flashing before his eyes, but Lucas Bishop is not most men. And I really love that. He uses his powers, and he uh, he uh, kind of pushes himself uh, away from the ground. Uh, I, don't, I don't know. It's just really awesome. Cut back again to the astral plane. This time we're with Rogan Gambit. Mm, steamy. Uh, uh, in a uh, hot tub. They have, of course, a little moment of touch where then they recoil. 
and then we cut back to uh, Old Man Logan, uh, who is being taken on this time by Angel. Cut back to the astral plane, and now we're kind of jumping between Rogue and Gambit and Mystique. And... Uh, uh, and her story, and we're cutting back and forth, and then suddenly, just as they kiss, we jump to who knows where, somewhere else on the astral plane, where Charles Xavier has summoned uh, 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 Mystique and Rogue and Phantom X. And Phantom X, and Rogue says, But where is Remy? And boy, oh boy. What a great ending. Yeah. I'll leave it there, but I just thought this issue was purely cinematic. It was really unexpected in a lot of great ways. Um, it was a lot of fun, too. Yeah, completely. It was uh, uh, a really great, surprising read this week. Really yeah. loved it. Cool. Jessica Jones, number 13, is my second pick. This is the beginning of Marvel Legacy. Uh, it's the return of the Purple Man, part one. If you have read any Jessica Jones comics, seen any Jessica Jones TV shows, mm-hmm. you know this is a huge deal. Mm-hmm. The first few pages are just grids of people's faces, different characters that Jessica has encountered, as she just does a narration of really being like, you don't understand you can't understand until you've been through it how terrible mm-hmm. being under the purple man's control is, having your life taken away. And just keeps. I like what they do with the art here, what Michael Gatos does with the art, and uh, Matt Hollingsworth's on colors, and of course, Brian Michael Bendis writing the book. But just keeps expanding out to show more and more people who could be under the influence of the purple man and not even know it. And then that segues to her just showing up at Carol Danvers' doorstep with a bunch of diapers her baby in a uh, car seat and a big bag saying, Carol, help me. Mm -hmm. And we cut to um, one of those SeaWorld type shows where the purple man has made himself uh, at home and has kind of started manipulating the crowd. And you get to see a little demonstration, really powerful demonstration of his powers. And then he... um, we go back to Jess and Carol, where Carol's trying to convince Jessica she's going to be okay. The sense of dread mm-hmm. and the overwhelming sense that nothing can be okay so long as Kilgrave is out there really sits with you. And then Jessica calls Luke Cage to tell him what's going on. That puts him into a tizzy. Uh, he's definitely ready to do whatever he has to do to keep, keep his family safe. Uh, Carol says, don't worry. We'll get some superheroes. We'll take care of everything. Um, the baby is acting odd this whole time. Baby Danielle is just going around saying TD, TD. Mm-hmm. We don't know what's going on. Um, but Carol eventually leaves Jessica. And then I can't I can't talk about the last oh, two pages. man. Because the last two pages are everything. Yeah. I can't believe it. Um, yeah. The last two pages are heartbreaking. They're shocking. And they completely just blow your mind. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, Jessica Jones, great art as always, great writing, and uh, something I can't really talk about. So let's move (laughs) on to something else. Uh, Next up is Journey to Star Wars, The Last Jedi, Captain Phasma. Ladies and gents, it's part three of this limited series, written by Kelly Thompson, art by Marco Coquetto, colors by Andres Mossa, and... Uh, we pick up with Phasma on the planet Luprora, where uh, you'll be reminded that she is after uh, Sivas, uh, 
or excuse me, uh, Sol Rivas, who is another uh, First Order commander that, for unknown reasons at this point, Phasma has a bit of a grudge against, and also he is the only one that knows she uh, lifted the shields on Starkiller Base uh, in the events of The Mm. Force Awakens. Mm. She has chased him to this monster's den uh, on this planet, in uh, trying to uh, tie up this loose end to make sure that he doesn't tell anyone what went on. Uh, and she goes back to this uh, the local village where uh, she communicates with the natives uh, and starts to essentially uh, manipulate them into helping her out on her bigger journey. She nice. takes advantage of their more... Uh, their kind of spirituality and uh, their uh, instincts. Uh, you know, one of the villagers says that Phasma was sent by the gods uh, to help them against these monsters that live on their planet that make it so diff- that make life there so difficult for them. And she takes full advantage of that, uh, and she goes with the Thai pilot that she's on the planet with to uh, a ship. She. There's a great moment where she sheds the uh, this kind of the incognito armor that she's had on for the past couple of issues, and she puts back on her uh, signature phasma chrome, and she says, "Get back into uniform, pilot. We're done hiding." And that's when she takes full advantage of her influence over this village. She uh, kind of rouses the locals up and into helping her into uh, uh, taking on this this beast uh, that they wake up from its slumber in this lake uh, and they electrocute it using some machinery that they harvested from a ship. It is awesome. The art is so cool. It's really unexpected. This whole series has been a lot of great monster art uh, and some really great classic Star Wars uh, monsters in that way. Uh, Phasma gets by the monsters after the monster has, after it's electrocuted. She climbs. She begins climbing this uh, cliff face to get to where Rivas is. And there's a really fascinating moment where, for literally three panels, three panels out of the entire yes. story, we get a quick little flashback. It's it's kind of confusing. Very confusing. You're not sure what's going on. You're not even sure a hundred percent who's talking to who at the moment until a couple panels later, where you see that we actually witnessed a really quick flashback in Phasma's life to what looks like maybe her mother and father as they were climbing a cliff face when she was a little girl. And now we've never seen Phasma's face before, right? We haven't. That's why this is a huge deal. This is a huge deal. Even if she was, you know, looks like maybe six years old or something like that in this this, uh, little part of this little flashback. But nonetheless... It's the first time we've seen her face. It's the first time we've gotten any sort of personal story from sure. her or anything like that. Really, really interesting. And it's just a quick, really just awesome by Kelly Thompson. A quick little dip into the some of the traumatic past, maybe uh, the difficult past. Who knows of Captain Phasma. She reaches the top of the cliff to find more monsters and it is on uh, for Captain Phasma. Really loving what Kelly Thompson's doing on this book, uh, and I can't wait for uh, the penultimate and final issues. Is there a penultimate issue still coming, or is there just an ultimate issue still coming? This was this was number three. This was number three, and so five. 
Yeah, I so think three so. three is the pen penultimate. It, you know, listeners, Ben Morse, are you ready for some vocab? Bring it on. The third to last in the series is called the anti-penultimate. No, shut up. You're, shut your beautiful God face. God bless the USA. Oh, my goodness. That's, well, we've learned something <laughs> new here on This Week in Marvel today. We've learned... Uh, Rare. Anti-ultimate, you say? Anti-penultimate. Anti-penultimate. And then second to last, penultimate, obviously. What's the fourth to last? Uh, I believe that would be called the fourth to last. No, fourth to last. There okay. you go. <laughs> Let's get into some quick hits. Let's start off talking about Avengers number 672, written by the great Mark Wade, art by Jesus Saez, who I love seeing getting a shot at Marvel's big heroes here. This is part one of the Worlds Collide Marvel Legacy crossover. It's between the Avengers and the Champions, showing them working together for the first time since the big split where the champ- the core champions broke off from the Avengers. Uh, we we flashed to a fire in West Orange, New Jersey, literally minutes away from my home, <laughs> um, where Viv Vision, Big Daddy Vision, and Falcon are trying to save some civilians. There's some tense moments between Viv and her father, which I love. Really great character stuff with them. Uh, then we cut to the champion's headquarters in in uh, Austin, Texas, where the champions are discussing the same things that Wasp and Spider-Man are discussing back at the Girl Research Lab in Creskill, New Jersey. A lot of New Jersey action today. Woohoo! Um, basically, over whether or not Counter-Earth exists. Now, we know from reading comics that Counter-Earth does exist, but... The scientists of the Marvel Universe say, no, if there were an equally sized Earth rotating around the moon or the sun or wherever it rotates around that we couldn't see, that would play ecological chaos with us. and We would never be able to do it. So some of the, uh, the pessimists, the uh, non-believers here are just like, no, this is impossible, but it is indeed possible. The Avengers assemble in downtown Lexington, Kentucky. The champions show up as well. They butt heads a little bit. Basically, they've got to work together the full roster of the Avengers and the full roster of the champions to fight a meteor that is streaming to Earth. They use their various powers in different ways. It's a cool, very Mark Waity type of story uh, where he gets to really utilize the fact that he uh, he knows how the powers work for each of these characters. A nice moment between Amadeus Cho and Hercules, which I appreciated. Yeah. And then we get the situation turning a whole lot worse. Somehow it goes from a meteor to something much, much worse. It's going to be continued in Champions number 13 on sale October 18th. That's going to be awesome too. Mark Wade's writing that. Check it out. Next up in Quick Hits is Star Wars Darth Vader number 6, written by Charles Sewell, pencils by Giuseppe Camicoli. Uh, of course, the last issue saw Darth Vader get his red lightsaber for the first time, and we pick up with him in healing after all the action he saw against uh, uh, the Jedi in Falah. I love this little moment. This yes. This little moment he has with his armor is crazy to me. Yeah. As you know, I'm still... I'm still working on getting the whole Star Wars thing. You know what? I think I'm doing a pretty good job at this point, but I really, this to me cut to the core of Vader, Anakin's character. Mm-hmm. That's uh, right. Totally. I know they're the same guy now. Uh, well, uh, yes, yes and no. Yes and no. That, that, you know, that's a subtle, a very good and subtle point you're making. Fair enough. Uh, maybe unintentionally. So but anyway. Like, yes, yeah, uh, like <laughs> uh, Vader is in a back to tank. He uh, has this moment of anger this outburst with his armor like ben just mentioned and then we cut to the former jedi temple this is really interesting on coruscant that is still standing it's uh, obviously abandoned it's deserted uh and in the library you'll recall from the film attack of the clones when obi-wan kenobi goes there to research kamino or what he didn't know was kamino quite yet and uh he runs into the archivist who yells at him uh if it is not 
not in the archives, then it does not exist. Thank you so much, Lucasfilm. Uh, uh, and there is someone there and we don't know who and we don't know why but Vader shows up they get into a saber battle two red sabers going at it and it turns out to be an inquisitor Uh, in fact the grand inquisitor and uh, then the emperor shows up and reveals that he kind of deliberately pitted them against each other and he takes Vader to the inquisitorious where the rest of the Inquisitors uh, are uh, kind of training and living on Coruscant. And uh, Vader, again, uh, witnesses this kind of different sect of the Sith, which is always really interesting. And then on the last page, we get a really, really interesting, intriguing reveal about where we're moving next. And if you want to talk interesting and intriguing, you got to be talking Ooh. about Black Bolt. Numero 6, uh, written by Saladin Ahmed. Beautiful, beautiful Life-changing art by Christian Ward. <laughs> Seriously, this stuff is so incredible. Um, Christian Ward is just the best right now. Um, we've got to kind of the pinnacle of the whole Black Bolt and friends struggle against their mysterious and very powerful jailer. He tries one more time to lull them into false prisons by showing them their loved ones. Most of them see right through it, except for Metal Master, who's been there for years. His mind's been worn down. Uh, so... One of the, the, the scroll Rava, has to do something not so nice to him. And then uh, the Absorbing Man, Black Bolt, and Blinky continue to move on forward towards the center, the epicenter, with Rava as well. They get to see this great design of this villain. It's really indescribable. you got to check it out for yourself. Black Bolt springs into action. We get to see him being just awesome and dope. Uh, we get to see him use his powers in cool ways. We get this awesome sacrifice moment by Absorbing Man, who uses Black Bolt's power in a very cool way to help himself out. Uh, then we get a little coda going on with Black Bolt um, and the rest of the crew that also involves Lockjaw. That's very nice. But basically, this six-issue arc was tight. It was great. It was creepy. It was powerful. And we got some real character stuff going on, especially with Absorbing Man and his little arc and what happened there, but with each of the characters. And I'm really impressed with uh, what Saladin Ahmed was able to do in the limited pages to really showcase some characters who have been around for years, but never have had this level of depth, whether it was Black Bolt, Absorbing Man, Metal Master, just great stuff. Great stuff from this whole team. I just edited a inter- great little interview with Saladin Ahmed, and it was really awesome to see what's coming next for Black Bolt in the series, uh, and I really can't wait. Uh, my next quick hit is Hawkeye number 11, written by the number one, the number one, the number one, probably my number one, <laughs> my favorite, one of my two favorite writers. I don't know if it's ethical to pick favorites it's not. Um, you've, you've, as an employee of this company. You've spiked all semblance of ethics on this podcast and turned us into a <laughs> fountain of corruption. Go like, on. Uh, artist Leonardo Romero and we... You didn't even say who the writer was. Oh. You did this big build-up to being one of your favorite writers and then said, and this is the artist. Uh, you know, I, I got scared. I, I got... Okay. <laughs> but the writer is, of course, Kelly Thompson. And we pick up in my favorite Latin phrase, in media, in media race, uh, and we see two Hawkeyes on the Hollywood sign in Los Angeles, 
uh, fighting it out, and we don't know what's going on. Then we cut back to what's happening before. We see a little bit of what went on in the last issue as Kate took out a bunch of Madame Mask's minions, a.k.a. about to be mincemeat, she calls them, after dealing with her dad. She takes them out. Then she goes back to the club, which where we the saw Madam Duck <laughs> Club, the where club. we saw Madam Mask uh, uh, masquerading as nice. uh, thank you as Kate well with Kate's crew uh, and acting very strangely with them. She goes and they brawl, and that's how they get to the Hollywood sign. They're fighting it out. They're on top. There's some really really great big uh, uh, panorama art uh, happening, and then bang. And Madame Mask gets shot out of nowhere. <laughs> she falls off the Hollywood sign, and it turns out that uh, the police showed up uh, looking to end the quarrel. And Kate's a little bit uh, unhappy about I like, that. I like the way the police are able to ID that it's the real Kate. Um, I won't give it away here. I'll let the readers figure it out. But it's a great uh, – it's a nice touch. Yeah. Uh, Kate – uh, meets up again with her crew who she hasn't seen in a while uh, unbeknownst to them before these events and then she has a little smooch action a little smooch action a little Ooh. pre-bone zone oh, action prelude to prelude. bone zone yes uh, potentially and then we don't know for sure potentially yeah uh, then we it's all up in the air cut back to Kate Bishop at home in front of her cork board and there's just a, a really kind of great montage uh, about uh, the things to come, where her mind is now, and what she's dead set on finding out. Cool, man. And if we're saying cool, you know, I got to be talking about my man, Iceman. Iceman number six, in fact, uh, part one of his Marvel legacy arc, Champions Reunited. Very exciting. Written by Cena Grace. Art by Robert Gill. Colors by Rochelle Rosenberg. Bobby Drake has reunited with Johnny Blaze, Warren Worthington, and Hercules to mourn. Their fallen comrade, Black Widow, who we know passed away during Secret Empire. Uh, they hang out. They go to bars. They talk about their life. Bobby kind of catches them up on what's going on with him. Bobby meets a – oh, then Dark Star shows up, and mm-hmm. she is a mess. Um, <laughs> Bobby and Warren are sitting up in the Hollywood sign. Hollywood sign, getting a lot of play this yeah. uh, this week. Uh, sitting up in the Hollywood sign, probably mere moments before the Hawkeye showed up and started brawling there. But uh, they discover this girl tinkering with sentinel remains, which they don't take too too kindly to. Bobby destroys that. He then meets up with this guy. Uh, they, have, they have a meet-cute, if you will. Ooh. They have a nice little meet-cute, and they're adorable. Uh, Bobby flirts with this guy. Then he tells the rest of the champions, I need all you guys to be my wingmen. I'm going to go out on a date with this guy. He goes out on the date. It's pretty fantastic. Uh, this dude seems pretty okay. They share, again, more smooching. Oh, yeah. More pre-bone zone action, potentially. And Bobby looks like he's going to score. Uh-oh, sorry, Bobby. Here come a bunch of sentinels. No good deed goes unpunished. Bobby turns back into Iceman, starts taking out the uh, the sentinels, and then the full champions lineup mm-hmm. reemerges, and Bobby does not know what to say because he says champions assemble and realizes that sounds wrong. So much fun. Love what Cena Grace is doing with one of my favorite characters, Bobby Drake, making him so likable and yet so human and flawed at the same time. Just brilliant stuff. Awesome. Next up is Marvel Legacy. Uh, Iron Fist 73, uh, written by Ed Brisson, uh, art by Mike Perkins. And we open up in uh, the Yaozu prison on Liu Shi, where we see some bad guys quarreling with each other, upset about 
the last time that uh, Danny Rand escaped their clutches, then we cut back to New York City. Danny Rand going back to his sweet apartment sweet where bed. he has a uh, dragon. Yeah, I love the whole <laughs> conceit that Nanny has had to get an addition put onto his apartment to compensate for this giant, like, eight story dragon yeah. that he's just keeping. It's yeah. brilliant. A uh, little uh, dinner time for the dragon, which is oh. great. And no, it's not great. And sad. It's not great at all. Uh, uh, and then uh, Danny realizes that something is amiss. He goes to a local bar for some help. He reaches out to Sabretooth, who's there. Sabretooth doesn't take too kindly to seeing him. You might they... wonder why Sabretooth. You might. And that's a question not answered in this issue. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, Keep reading, we, true believer. <laughs> then we cut back to the uh, to the uh, to Shin, to Choshin and uh, the uh, the the mala the malefactors who we saw in the opening pages, and they're on their way to New York City. Uh, uh, as we cut back to the bar, there's a great little moment when the bartender says that he doesn't have the insurance to handle the kind of brawling that's going on. And Sabretooth says, well, sorry, pal, you're going to run up a tab because we're not done yet. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, uh, then we get the intro of the constrictor who's on his way to take on Iron Fist. And at this point, Sabretooth, who finally is convinced by Danny to, uh, take a look at the challenges ahead. Old Man Logan, number 29, written by Ed Brisson, art by Mike Diodato, colors by Frank Martin. Logan's team up with Hawkeye and one of the Hulk children to try to take out Maestro is coming to a head. We flash back to where Maestro first hooked up with the Hulk family up back in the wastelands, now in Canada, Yukon Territory. He's sent out a bunch of kids with a bunch of gamma bombs. He's going to do bad stuff. He's got a bunch of little kid hulks with them so it's an interesting (laughs) conundrum as we've got old man logan uh hawkeye and one adult female hulk taking on maestro and a bunch of kitty hulks there's a great fight between uh old man logan and maestro which is basically old man hulk fighting old man logan Mm -hmm. um which is fantastic mike diodato brilliant on art um, the Hawkeye is left to deal with these kids and he basically fires arrows at them and he's just like the kids just totally whoop him man they, they rip the arrows out and just keep going after him there's something pretty funny about watching little kid hulks just beat up yeah. Hawkeye and if you uh, were upset at him for killing the real Hulk then here's a little like you know free therapy for you um so we learned that maestro's master plan is more complex than what we thought and a horrible conundrum is put on our heroes by the end of the issue uh i'm gonna turn up the heat i'm gonna go i'm 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 going for it here uh real real fast styles here we go royals number nine marvel legacy kicking it off and this is uh you know what this isn't a uh a, a real hyper speed issue it's kind of an upsetting issue as we're kind of dealing with uh some uh some lost pride some people adjusting to new lives etc we see uh, an ancient crystal uh that has grown some of the royals are inspecting it then we see uh flint who uh in response to what we assume is the crystal's energy, uh, has some, a weird reaction to it. Then we cut to Medusa, who's hanging out with Gorgon. Gorgon, great chest hair in this issue. That's the star of 
uh, of these pages for me. Yep. And she's dealing with... Uh, it's like, do you think that because Medusa has lost a lot of her hair, she's attracted to someone with such majestic yeah. hair yeah, that's, located elsewhere on their body? Yeah, that's not a bad shout. Yeah. At all. He's a hirsute gentleman. Yeah. Uh, there's a really great little flashback scene to kind of the glory days of Medusa and Black Bolt, king and queen, the responsibilities that they used to have. And and uh, the contrast there to where Medusa finds herself now is pretty devastating. Mm. Uh, then we cut back to the uh, – th- we cut to uh, Maximus who – Did you call out the artist on this issue being Javier Rodriguez? You know what? I didn't. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Javier Rodriguez is so good on this issue. It's great. Uh, I've been missing his artwork because uh, he – I think he he jumped off Sorcerer Supreme at the last little bit. Mm. Nathan Stockman filled in. That's because he's been preparing to jump on the Royals where his work is just amazing, jaw-dropping stuff. It's perfect line of weird, trippy, awesome, cosmic art. And again, obviously written by Al Ewing, this issue. Uh, uh, Then we cut back to just some – Wild stuff. Flint is again dealing with it. We see the world farm uh, and a garden world where the, uh, a harvester class progenitor uh, is uh, uh, is waiting for Flint and the team's uh, uh, spaceship as they land. And then it ends in quite an ominous way uh, in this issue. Okay, Spider-Man number 21, written by Brian Michael Bendis, art by Nico Leone. Justin Ponzor and Jason Keith double-team the colors on this issue. We have Miles Morales in Japan, where he is cavorting with Tomo, the techno-golem. And he flashes back to his time with Uncle Aaron, learning about girls, tries to apply it to his new... Uh, situation where he is in a tuxedo in the middle of another country, flirting with a girl who also happens to be a supervillain, calls his dad, asks for a little advice, um, does say he looks like Idris Elba if he were James Bond, uh, finds out that his suit is full of nanotech, takes it off, puts on his costume, his dad tries to text someone to get him out of hot water, and then Miles crashes Tomo's party as Spider-Man, gets into a big fight, his web shooters get broken because she controls all technology. He flashes back more times to Uncle Aaron uh, when he was watching Jackie Chan movies. It's a big old fight issue. There's a lot of cool punching and kicking and all that stuff. And then uh, Spider-Man is able to capture Tomo the Techno Goblin. Big win for him. He comes home. He gets back to his room with Gonky. Uh, He got Gonky a cool present while he was there. And then his dad meets up with a mysterious stranger who helped him out. And, oh, boy, is this surprise a pretty pretty big piece of surprise. Really, really uh, cool final page on that one. Mm -hmm. Next up, Spider-Man Deadpool, number 22, written by Elliot Kalan, art by Todd Nock, uh, colors by Rochelle Rosenberg. And it's the last issue in the uh, arcade murder world arc. And uh, Spidey and DP, right into the action, are, uh, again, they're trying to save some not-so-good guys who Mm. might not necessarily, by our standards, deserve saving, but specifically because of Spidey's... um, you know, moral requirements. Altruism. That's right. Yeah. He doesn't have a choice. Uh, and they're put up against all kinds of murdery type stuff. Uh, there's a great moment where there's some, like, World War II-style fighter planes who uh, attack the two heroes. Deadpool obviously gets riddled with bullets. Then there's a 
awesome T-Rex that Spidey has to go up against uh, and Return of the Jedi style jumps into his mouth and uh, kind of holds his uh, uh, his jaws open uh, uh, before DP uh, hijacks one of the planes and flies it into the robot dino and then Arcade unleashes a torrent of ocean water on them to try and drown them out. They escape from that. They bring the three not-so-good guys with them, and then there's this great, great page where Arcade finally decides to take them on himself, and he's kind of upgraded into this disgusting, like, zit-covered, like, pussy, gross uh, Hulk Arcade, almost. Hulkade, <laughs> uh, Hulkade. Hul- and uh, Deadpool, in response, says in this great quote, he says, Eyes, I command you to unsee this. Mm. Uh, they take him out all together, and of course, it's another robot being controlled on the inside by Arcade himself. They, uh, they take Arcade and um, bring him to the X-Mansion, where they give him off to Cyclops, who has no idea what's going on, mm. and Deadpool simply says, uh, time travel, you're f- you'll figure it out. And then we end in an airplane as uh, Deadpool and Spidey are going home, and Deadpool is questioning Spider-Man, saying, did, did we really have to save those guys? Really? Like, you didn't even want to let them die a little bit? Uh, and it's a great ending. Great arc here from Elliot Kalan. Spirits of Vengeance number one, which is part one of War at the Gates of Hell, written by Victor Gishler, who we haven't seen in a while. Welcome back, Victor. Art by David Baldion, colors by Andres Mosa. We've got Johnny Blaze drinking along Route 66, Mm -hmm. like he does. And then a guy shows up and explodes and says he needs you to take... uh, Something to Damon Hellstrom. He goes and meets up with Damon Hellstrom after fighting a couple of demons. Damon Hellstrom takes him to one of his contacts, a uh, very gross, disgusting-looking individual. They direct him elsewhere. Meanwhile, stuff is going on with Necrodamus, one of the demons of the Marvel Universe, and we see that he is somehow mixed up in all this stuff that's going on. They head to the Wall Street Club, do Johnny and Damon, to tap into the resources and uh, find out that... All mystical people are kind of kind of freaking out. They think some big judgment day is coming and they're trying to get out of the way. Damon knows someone who he thinks can help, so he leaves a message for Blade. He said, Blade, I know you're probably... I was wondering if you could help us avert the complete and utter destruction of existence as we know it. And they're hoping that he can. Because if he can't, that's it. That's it, Tucker. The end of that everything. That is it. Absolutely. Uh, and speaking of the end of... Maybe not everything, but of certainly something. It's Jason Aaron's last issue of Star Wars, number 37, art by Salvador La Roca, and it's a story about Scar Squadron. I like this one a lot. Yes. Spoiler alert. Uh, there is some really interesting stuff happening with this elite group of stormtroopers. We open up with one who is handling a lightsaber and is in communication with Darth Vader, who threatens his life and then says, uh, prove to me that you deserve to live mm-hmm. uh, by taking out the rebels once and for all. They go down to a the Horrocks. Don't drive over the moment where he sees the Emperor. 
the stormtrooper does. That's a great point. And he uh, basically genuflects to him and basically he refers back to it later. He says, my That's knees right. turn to jelly. This is, this is this guy's sole reason for being. That's right. And really his like, this is, this is his God. And it's, it's cool to see because he's not afraid of Vader at all. Really. Yes. Vader does not intimidate him. But when the emperor shows up, he gets all weak in the knees like a little schoolgirl. That's right. Yeah. He, in fact, he gives Vader a little bit of lip mm-hmm. and uh, it's a great, yeah, it's a great little, uh, vision into kind of the mind of a stormtrooper and how uh, they see their service right, to the how empire. They're wired. That's right. Uh, we uh, the Scar Squadron then goes to the Horok system where there's a big nasty alien taking advantage of a local cu- race of real little cute guys. Yeah. Who I Cuties. think little cutie furry guys who I mm-hmm. think if they were in the films would be uh, a worldwide phenomenon and who knows maybe this issue will make them so uh, either way the Scar Squadron shows up they say hey big guy you can't do this to these little guys and an interesting moment where the the Empire seemingly does something pretty good but yeah. well, of I course see Scar, I see Scar Squadron as being separate from the from the Empire in some yeah ways. yeah they have yeah they have some interesting motivations going on uh, but of course. Uh, ultimately, all they're dead set on doing is reading the galaxy of the rebels. We uh, see them in battle against uh, some of the, the rebellion. Uh, the uh, first, the the uh, Scar Squadron member from the first scene, we see him, like you mentioned, uh, in conversation with a fellow member uh, of the squad, talking about actually seeing the Emperor in the flesh uh, in a really great moment. And then we see our heroes uh uh leia and han and chewie and luke and sana and there amidst the flames after the battle has has finished they see a little uh a graffito left by the scar squadron uh that kind of taunts them and says we're coming after you and it's a it's a really kind of emotional final scene, uh, mm. uh, it's specifically because we know this is Jason Aaron's last issue after an epic run. Epic run. Uh, and, and the uh, problem is, I now want to see Jason Aaron writing a Scar Squadron ongoing book. Yes, which I know uh, is not in the plans at the moment, but who knows? You have pull. You're hanging out at oh, the yeah. at the retreat. I was talking to Jason week? Aaron about the end of Star Wars today. He said he's good. Oh wow! He said he's he said he's very happy. He had a good run. Yeah, it's not now. Is not the time. He's got some exciting stuff coming up. Oh yeah, that's yeah, right. I'll tell true. you about it later. Uh, moving uh, and uh, the uh, Star Wars thirty seven will pick up with Kieran Gillen. Yes, sir. Really exciting to see the, the new creative team on that. Uh, that's right. Yeah. Uh, there is a, there is a backup story written by Jason Aaron and and Dash Aaron, who I'm going to assume may be Jason's brother. I assume maybe it's his son. Whoa! Yes, I've gotten... Oh, what? Yes, I've gotten confirmation. That is Jason's son. That is even cooler. Okay. Uh, uh, it's a really, really excellent story uh, uh, written by Jason Dash, art by Andrea Sorrentino. And it's narrated. We're on Tatooine. Uh, and it's kind of pretty montage We're seeing a lot of the Tusken Raiders' everyday life. Uh, and it speaks to the sand and uh, the planet that they live on, how they rely on the sand, how the sand uh, it presents a lot of contradictions to them, how it's their life source, but it also makes life really difficult sometimes. We see uh, a, a young uh, Tusken Raider go into, uh, a, into what seems like the cantina on Moss Eisley, get kicked out, and then about to be roughed up by some stormtroopers, and then, of course, a hooded figure shows up, waves a finger, and says, I'll take care of this little one. 
And then as we finish the issue, we see who the narrator was all along, and it is none other than Ben Kenobi. Great final issue. Thank you so much, Jason Aaron. What a Thank run. you, Jason. Sorry that Tucker almost disregarded your entire backup story. <laughs> uh, he apologizes. Venom, number 155, Lethal Protector, part one, digging into that Marvel legacy, written by Mike Costa. Beautiful art by Mark Bagley, who we should, by the way, say that in all these Marvel Legacy books, Robbie Thompson writes little Mm three-page kind of summaries of the characters. Mark Bagley draws a lot of them. Some other people have been doing art for him. They're really great. Uh, John Del's the anchor here. Dono Sanchez Almara is the colorist. We've got a quick scene in the New York Supermax facility for something that's going to become more important as we move forward with Lee, the guy who started this Venom series, as Venom. We get our Venom. Uh, interrogating a corrupt cop, trying to get some information, going to uh, a newspaper, trying to get his job back as Eddie Brock, and then ultimately going to this underground world of dinosaurs that he has befriended, that he has put in as his protector. So yeah, you heard me right. Eddie is the lethal protector of a group of underground dinosaur people that he <laughs> is protecting from the moloids and the mole monsters. Uh, they try to eat the moloids, as does Eddie's symbiote. Instead, Eddie jumps inside a mole monster with a big splorch, takes him out, and says, you guys can be at peace. You're good people. They're good people. Everyone's good people. But bad news, Eddie. Someone's going on a hunt for Venoms, and he's going. And his name is Craven the Hunter. And his mustache is glorious, and his lion's mane is second to none. Uh, keeping with the Venom uh, theme, we have Venomverse number five, written by Cullen Bunn, art by Ivan Coelho, colors by Matt Yaki, and we have a uh, the poisons versus Venom, uh, uh, Poison. Venoms. poisons versus Venom's uh, battle going on. Uh, pretty much immediately, the cap. Uh, uh, poison gets killed. Uh, then we see uh, uh, Rocket in a uh, a cell uh, where he has spent many many uh, uh, issues uh, before. He is trying to find a way out. He's in conversation with Venom, uh, the OG Venom, about uh, what to do next. There is some great poison first Venom. Uh, th- uh, uh, kind of throwdowns happening. The Black Panther Venom, uh, or sorry, Poison. Oh man, it's so tricky. Uh, uh, whips out the claws. Uh, we see some mystical uh, Poison V Venom action. Uh, and then we get uh, a rematch uh, for the ages. And then Rocket, as he is wont to do in any universe, decides to blow something up. And it just so happens to be the ship that they're on. Uh, He thinks it might be the way that they can get out of this entire thing. And then Shrathoom, it does blow up. And then uh, the different uh, Venoms get sent back and Poisons get sent back from whence they came. Uh, The... uh, the Black Panther goes back to the throne. Uh, Rocket goes back to some seedy bar. Uh, and Eddie Brock goes home. Uh, and then there's a great little tease uh, after the letters page of some more poisons that we never saw, including Thanos and about 15 other characters. You want to name uh, them all? 
I can name... Don't name any of them. I'm telling you to stop spoiling things. Well, it's good, because I could only probably name, like, two anyway. All right. Uh, <laughs> uh, what a great uh, five-issue run here. Absolutely. Venom versus Great Story. Finally, this week, we've got X-Men Gold number 13, part one of Mojo Worldwide. Uh, that should tell you all you need to know about the bad guy in this particular scenario. It's Mojo. The issue is written by Mark Guggenheim. Great art by Mike Mayhew. Beautiful colors by Rain Barreto. We've got Mojo trying to get his mojo back oh, yeah. as he uh, launches his latest scheme. And, of course, the X-Men are playing baseball like they always are. <laughs> and uh, Kitty's having some guilty feelings about things that have gone on lately. She confides in young Jean Grey about them. But no sooner do they try to get down to business when a bunch of bizarre-looking spires show up above New York. The X-Men go after them, and these spires uh, transport the X-Men to different classic X-Men stories changing their uh, uniforms along the way. We get some Mutant Massacre. We get some Inferno. We get some Days of Future Past. We get some Asgard. They're all over the place. Obviously, Mojo has something to do with all this. It's not completely clear what's going on, but it is clear that the X-Men are going to have a crazy, awesome time trying to take Mojo down. Yeah. All right. We did it. Yeah, that covers the quick hits. And since we started doing quick hits, we've been joined by a number of new voices, maybe the most voices we've ever had here on This Week in Marvel. But second to none is our fearless leader, one Ryan Penagos. Yeah. Look, look, what's up? Welcome back. Oh, I, I was trying to do that. What is that guy? Dolly G? I don't know what he sounded like. Yes. So very, I'm not Dolly G. Very current. That's a good yeah. Very good. Very good. Last week of comics. We did. We did. You want to point out some of your favorites? Uh, Jessica Jones. Yep. That, that, last that was page. one of my two picks. Yes. That was one of my two picks, yes, Ryan. King. Ryan, that was one of my two picks. <laughs> uh, when I saw Brian Michael Bendis this week, he was mm. like, hey, was that PR or was that legit your reaction to Jessica Jones? I was like, that was legit, Brian. He's yep. like, that's so sweet. Thank you. <laughs> it was really good. Uh, that was really good. I love this uh, X-Men Gold because it reminded mm-hmm. me of the classic, like, this reminded me of almost the first issue of Executioner Song. And like, hey, they're doing mm, some stuff. It's just yeah. chill time. And then something brings them all together. And now we're going into a multi-part you know, crossover between different series. I like to think that your mutant power or my mutant power is to be able to compare any issue of X-Men to the first issue of Executioner's Song. Well, yeah, everything else measures up to Executioner's it all, Song. It all pales in comparison. Uh, Venom had, was good, man. That Mark was, Bagley art. Oh, it the was, original Lethal Protector yeah, artist. It was dynamite, but it also had one of my the most horrifying panels I've seen in a long time. There's a moloid on a spit. Mm. Oh, yeah. I forgot about really that. It's really upsetting. Oh, it I is thought it was upsetting. a human at first, and I was only slightly less disturbed because it was not a human, but yeah. a humanoid. And so that was really intense. The Avengers issue was really good. And then Black Bolt. Black Bolt, I will punch someone in the face for them to read this because it is the best comic <laughs> in the world. Yep. It's all really gar- good. Shut new, up, Eric. All it new, is really good. All new, like, gar- that's how you all new Guardians people fan. To read comics? All new you Guardians. All new Guardians with the Dynamite. reveal reveal of who the Raptor is. Yeah. I told Jerry Duggan this this week. I said, "You brilliant man," and he said, yeah. "I am brilliant." Yeah. And I said, "Thank you, Jerry." Yeah. And then we hugged. Yeah. And it was beautiful. Jerry and I played Destiny Two the other night. Oh, nice. It was great. Great. Uh, I played it with someone from Image Comics, and I don't the young man's name. I don't remember, him, but he was great. That's fine. They Hawkeye was really good. <laughs> uh, Iron Fist. I, this was a really solid really week of comics. I was really excited. Well, we've got other stuff coming out. Of Wait, course, but you, don't you want to say who else is you on, the show? I on the show? I hijacked it. Yeah, you 100%, hijacked it. I've made a as I, as I plan to do all the time. All right, who else do we have? We're with joined us? by <laughs> editor Eric Goldman and Christine Din. 
Yeah. <laughs> She's like, I'm on my phone, jerks. Yeah. <laughs> Seriously, since Eric and Christine have walked in the room, they've just been furiously typing on their phones. I'm like, this is like a Saturday Night Live skit where the millennials come in and they all like, oh, um, love to be as a millennial. All as well. my news ready. Yeah. I write the script for Eric and I, and I wrote the script for Strom and I when we did who. <laughs> the West Coast segment. Let, let's be honest. Strami never listened to a script. He never read a script. He oh, always no. went off. I printed it out when we entered the room, and I was like, here is what we're announcing. Oh, so <laughs> it was just guidelines. You still let Strami run wild. No, I wrote down here are the things to say. <laughs> Which enough. makes you wonder, what did Strami do pre-Christine? Uh, Having never listened to an episode of this podcast, I could not tell you. <laughs> yeah. He and the Wolfman talked about... Non-Marvel things. Yeah. <laughs> that seems about right. Long suspected it. <laughs> but what about these? the rest of the comics and stuff let's, out this week? Let's talk back? about it, man. How about uh, the collections on sale, Eric? <laughs> You're making me flip over a piece of paper. <laughs> the collections on sale this week include Color Your Own Thor, uh, Deadpool World's Greatest Volume 2. It's hardcover. Doctor Strange Epic Collection, Afterlife. Marvel's Thor Ragnarok Prelude. Whoa. And- Wait, and this what? next one. I'm what very, is happening? This next one. What is this? What? We have a Muppet Babies hardcover? <laughs> we have a, we Muppet, have a Muppet Babies, babies hardcover? hardcover. <laughs> what is going on here? I, as a child, read Marvel's adaptation of The Muppets Take Manhattan many times. Is that a Star Comics joint? Or is that just regular Marvel? The Muppets Take Manhattan was like... movie adaptations were like prestige format. Yeah, this was like a three-issue mini... But yes, I remember the comic, the first comic book incarnation of the Muppet Babies. Muppet Babies is a classic. So yeah, yeah. Muppet Babies hardcover. Uh, Royals Volume 1, Beyond Inhuman. I'm always wondering if I should say colon. Uh, Shang- <laughs> Go with your instinct. Shang-Chi, Master of Kung Fu, Omnibus Volume 4, also a hardcover. Uh, Thor vs. Hulk. We've got Thor, colon, Heroes Return. That's a hardcover. Uh, Tomb of Dracula, colon, The Complete Collection, Volume 1. I love the, this Gene stuff. Cullen. I love this stuff. Uh, Werewolf by Night. This is very cool. The Complete Collection, Volume 1. Nice. Now, digital comics on sale this week. Um, we've got Punisher the Platoon, number one, and Thor versus Hulk, Champions of the Universe, number three. Ryan, did you get a chance to check these out yet? Because uh, you are a digital correspondent. No, I, because this is New York Comic Con week. I yeah. haven't. No one's yeah. had time to do nothing. nothing. I think I still have two bo- two more books to read because okay. I've been so swamped with craziness this week. But you know, I love me some Thor versus Hulk. Yeah. So let's. We're make having a Jeremy note. Whitley on the House of Ideas panel. Oh yeah. At New York Comic Con. So we'll make a note to discuss those particular issues yeah, yeah, next yeah, yeah, episode yeah, yeah. when we're a little less crazed. Yeah. Um, Christine, would you like to share with us the all other? Uh, comics on sale on the app. Uh, absolutely. Uh, Captain <laughs> Marvel, the 1968 run, issues 35 to 42 and 45 to 46. Doctor Doom and the Masters of Evil, issues 1 through 4. Doctor Strange, Sorcerer Supreme, issues 76 to 90. And Sensational She-Hulk, uh, issues 1 through 8. But Christine, what about collections on sale digitally this week? What can you <laughs> tell me about those? I, she was just mentioning those to me. Let's talk I about. <laughs> can talk about Captain Marvel Masterworks Volume 4, Fantastic Four, Island of Death. You know, my kind of story. Iron Man by Joe Q and Iron Man Masterworks Volume 8. Is that the official title, Iron Man by Joe Q? Yeah. Or you just, that's, that's what you and your other buddies call him. Yeah, that's what I just, <laughs> That's what his know. close friends call him. Yeah. 
Can I throw out Mr. a Joe recommendation Hugh? for Sensational She-Hulk one through eight? Because that was like a, a, a big early thing into getting a little meta in comics. The John Byrne stuff? Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, uh, Is this the, the jump rope? Where does the jump rope issue fall into It's one that? of those. It's one it's of those? one of one through eight. Yeah, yeah. 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 Uh, there's some very fun stuff there that was kind, kind of ahead of its time uh, as far as, yeah, uh, winking at the audience, addressing the audience. There's definitely so. things happening there. <laughs> there were. There uh, were. Uh, freshly digitized comics on Marvel Unlimited this week. We've got all new X-Men number 19, Avengers number 5. Point one, Black Widow number 12, Deadpool and the Mercs for Money number 9, Ghost Rider number 5, Guidebook to the Marvel Cinematic Universe, Marvel's Doctor Strange number 1, Incredible Hulk Annual number 7, uh, that's an old school one, yeah. uh, Infamous Iron Man number 6, Inhumans Prime number 1, Iron Man Annual issues 5 and 6, and 8 and 9. Screw seven. <laughs> was seven like a Make the people tax? wait. I don't know. Or something that already <laughs> seven, seven probably had like ROM in it or well, something. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't know what that is. Kazar <laughs> the Savage, issues one through five from 1981. Man Thing number two. Ooh, not brand X. Yes. Issues two, four, six through nine, and 11 through 13. Now, I believe we have one Eric Goldman to thank for those being added to Marvel Unlimited, you, correct? You do. I actually what? I felt really yep. powerful that I could help make that happen. How? This, Send it, an email. Yeah. <laughs> Say, this, we were sending not... emails about executioner <laughs> song for literally <laughs> three years. This was literally the first time since this Because Eric is you know still relatively new and wouldn't think this is not a thing that could be done. Like I, When I don't see something on Marvel Unlimited, I'm like, Oh well, I guess I'll just have to wait till it comes out. But he was editing an article that linked to Not Brand Eck in part of it, and he just goes to me, "Hey, can I get these up on Marvel Unlimited?" I go, "Sure, you can try." <laughs> and he sends along a beautifully worded email, and they just jump right to it, and they put the issues right up, and he's able to link to it in his story. It was that quick; like it turned around within the hour, so he could link to it in his story. It was, it was like witchcraft. Witchcraft, I said. All right, Magic Man, I'm going to have to have you send an email to include the rest of the 90s What If series oh, on yeah. Marvel Unlimited. I'll see what I can do. I he might does have, have the magic touch. I do believe I just got another book yeah, added. Did. Yeah, with uh, uh, some characters that are coming to uh, live action soon that were, were missing an important uh, book Seriously, in Seriously, he's, he's got the magic touch, I'm telling you. <laughs> yeah. All right, very good. Let me uh, finish up here. We've got Occupy Avengers number five, Old Man Logan number 20, Spider Woman number 17, Star Lord number five, Thanos number five, Mighty Captain Marvel number three, Thunderbolts number 11, and X-Men Prime number one. All right, guys, this would uh, this would be your segment. So do you want to take over? Do you want to talk about some stuff? Yeah, we can definitely talk about things. It's a lot of New York Comic Con. Uh, it's October, which is my birthday month, but also <laughs> Halloween. We just debuted with Thor Ragnarok. Yeah. It's a whole month dedicated to Hello. Hello. Yeah. yeah. Every single day, there is a piece of new content coming at you as you, we get closer and closer to Thor Ragnarok. That's so cool. That's feels like cool. someone really brilliant came up with the name Halloween. I feel like a really smart, like social media minded marketing. I wonder if we'd person. ever meet that person. I don't know. I don't yeah. think th- I don't. They probably don't work in an office or anything. Like no, that. they're probably no. too good for this. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah not they're not that's mere fair. mortal for so. this for this rat race. Yeah, right, yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. And here's the thing: they would never seek credit. So no. how will we know? Yep, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I like Tucker's soft laughing. Uh, <laughs> Tucker's got the earphones on, yeah. so it makes it weird. Like, yeah, right. Tucker's not even listening to us. He's just like jamming to music. Yeah. There's there's so much going on. As you guys noted, 
with New York Comic Con, I think the best place is probably just to direct everybody. New York Com- Marvel.com slash NYCC But for people who aren't at New York Comic Con and don't need New York Comic Con news, uh, there's a lot of things happening on TV right now. So The Gifted premiered yep. this Monday, past Monday on Fox, and we have a second new episode next Monday at 9 p.m. Eastern Time. Standard Time. <laughs> and um, we also have in Marvels and Humans on ABC. And for animation, this weekend is all of our Halloween episodes. So um, airing on Saturday morning at 7.30 a.m., we have Marvel Spider-Man, The Halloween Moon, and at 8 a.m., we have Marvel's Avengers Secret Wars. I hate Halloween. Speaking of Halloween, I'll mention a game-related thing because there's an event for Marvel Avengers Academy uh, that is also a big Halloween event, and it's going to involve Area 13, a lot of uh, dastardly villains, and my favorite inclusion, I oohed and nod earlier about Werewolf by Night, uh, the Howling Commandos, the the S.H.I.E.L.D. Uh, sort of monster version of Howling Commandos, oh, nice. including Werewolf by Night, will be a part of that. So you should check that out. Do you know who wrote a Werewolf by Night story one time? Ooh. I don't know. They might be in this very room. What? You might be looking at them <laughs> right now. Some what? would call it the greatest werewolf by night story of all time. Right. How much dialogue was in that story? There was zero dialogue in that story. <laughs> right. Right, it right, was right, right, right. all conveyed through action. <laughs> sometimes you don't need dialogue to you just don't. tell a compelling I tale. I, sometimes you just don't know how to write dialogue. <laughs> <laughs> was there any howls at least? I implied implied <laughs> <Right. hells. laughs> good good that's good. fair that's fair mm-hmm. yeah uh, got, got further synergy coming right at you uh, <laughs> uh one uh we have uh, every every day this month we have the halloween spook light stories i looked going. at that and i was, oh, I was you trying full to, performance guys yeah, yeah. <laughs> i was trying to read spook light i was like spook spook light cuz it just it didn't roll off the tongue, yeah. but I liked it. It's a, it's a play on Spotlight. <laughs> oh, uh, thank you, Tucker. That's, that's it. So every uh, every day this week, we have... Uh, every day this month. Sorry, every day this month, leading up to Halloween, we have a different Halloween spook light. Ah! <laughs> does this include weekends or not weekends? It does not include weekends, but uh, we Actually, have a different... it doesn't include New York Comic Con either, so <laughs> that's true. Right off the bat, <laughs> breaking, <laughs> breaking, in this breaking our... Breaking our promises from the get-go. <laughs> Guys, those uh, failed promises are exactly what makes it so spooky. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you you never know when it's going to <laughs> But I'll finally get to my point. Uh, going uh, uh, up this week is a story about Werewolf by Night. Oh, perfect. Uh, a little review uh, of uh, some classic 1970s action there. So check it out. Hmm. Uh, and then, again, go to marvel.com slash nycc2017. There's a live stream that we uh, are doing by the time you're listening to this, which could be Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday, or well into the future. All of that will be archived on the marvel.com site and YouTube. Mm-hmm. You can find all the clips and all the interviews and all the fun stuff that we're doing. Uh, it's going to be a wonderful weekend. It's also worth noting that if you guys are not able to attend your Comic-Con, you want to get the latest on what's going on in the panels, we will be live tweeting the panels. This team right here is going to be dispersed to all four corners of the earth to uh, take care of what we need to take care of. Well, at least all four corners of the Javits Center. And, and, and beyond. And, and, and beyond. And, and, That's and true. Madison Square Garden. Which uh, follow it at, at Marvel Live. Yes. 
But uh, yeah, you can follow that at Marvel Live. You can see Ryan doing his thing on the video live stream. Mm-hmm. We're going to be recording great podcasts all weekend. Hopefully, we get them to you guys ASAP. We have someone who is sitting in a cave somewhere just to edit the podcast for us, as I understand. Yes. Not you, Christine. <laughs> you're not doing it. You're, you're passing I mean, them off to be edited. They still have to somehow end up on the server. Yeah, we'll figure that out. <laughs> we'll figure that out as we go. We're making it up as we go along. But yeah, lots of great stuff at uh, marble.com slash NYCC 2017. That is the current year. Mm-hmm. Can I just say, because you guys were, you know, as we came in, you guys were talking about the, the comics and uh, Moloid on a Spit is going to really mm. stick with me, mm-hmm. I think. Do you want to see that panel? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, but going. I also want to see a band called that. Because yeah. <laughs> I think that would be pretty amazing. Maybe like a death metal band. like yeah. 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 With in line with your cannibal corpses yeah. and your... I don't know. My two favorite things I heard mentioned as I came in were that and the underground dinosaur people. Yeah, the underground dinosaur people <laughs> yeah. are going to be a recurring. Oh, uh, thing yeah, that, that is a moloid on it. It's upsetting, right? Yeah, yeah. It's, it's very. That's upsetting. what could have happened to Han and Luke if Leia hadn't intervened. But all yeah. right, Star Wars guy. <laughs> <We get it. laughs> Somebody <laughs> likes Star Wars. This isn't this weekend. I have been known to enjoy a Star War or two. Yes. at times. All right, what else we got this week? <sighs> Do you guys have more news? Or you want to uh, go to the tweets? Go to the tweets. We're all going to tweets just in case things change again. <laughs> right. Yeah. We cannot promise there won't be a sudden news intervention. But Super okay. ominous. I like it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, first up, we've got Amanda at Francis saying, I feel like my top three podcasts say a lot about what <laughs> stuff I like. Hashtag sexplanations. Mm-hmm, hashtag mm-hmm. dear Hank and John. And hashtag this week in Marvel. What feel, are yours? I feel like one of those things is not like the others. And it's Dear Hank and John. Yeah. <laughs> the other two are clearly about the same subject matter, but what's Dear Hank and John about? You want to learn about the bone zone? You listen to Sexplanations <laughs> and This Week in Marvel. That's right. That's where what we got. Sexplanations are sister podcasts. <laughs> Gonna be a big crossover episode. Yeah. Joshua Cooper said, You bet my sweet Aunt Petunia they need us now more than ever. That was Ben Grimm being quoted. Hashtag I miss the Richards. We'll see you when you get here, V. We've all missed you. This is in reference to uh, Marvel Legacy number one. Hashtag I miss the Richards. Hashtag a little less now. Hmm. That was a nice little moment. Yeah. Kyle Charles at Johnny Timpole says Secret Empire Omega was creepy as heck. A good way to end the event. Thanks, Nick Spencer. Uh, he says the Iceman series just keeps getting better and better. I agree. We totally agree. We read the most recent issue just earlier. I like seeing Bobby grow as a character. Uh, and then he finishes up by saying Iceman's new vapor powers are awesome and his ice, wang- ice wings looked too sweet. What about his ice wings? Because you were definitely going <laughs> his ice wings. Is that where you were going? I was putting a little too much flavor on those okay. wings. Okay. <laughs> Tucker, have you been listening to Sexplanations? <laughs> right. yeah. uh, you know what? Our sister podcast. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I went there for Spider-Man news. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, yeah, why don't you go since you're not on your phone right now? Yeah. <laughs> I will go. Um, I will read. Uh, we got Lance Presley here at yeah. GL Presley. Uh, writes Generation Spider Man was great. Loved getting to see how Miles met Genki. Am I ever saying his name right? I always know. No, Who knows? A hashtag this week at Marvel. Uh, first Brian time we've gotten to see some of Miles' new history in the Prime Universe since he came over from Ultimate in. SW, that's Secret Wars. Oh, thanks, Eric. Yeah, no problem. I'm here for it. Not Star Wars. Uh, but that made me wonder are the we ever wars. going to get Miles' new history, or at least the one everyone remembers? I know it runs as close as possible to his ultimate universe history, but there have to be some significant differences. Peter and his age difference is wider. Peter never died. He wasn't in the Ultimates. Some of his villains just don't exist. Anyway, I'd love to see that sometime. 
Maybe I'm the only one. No immediate plans. Um, we're kind of just enjoying Miles' adventures, but I know this is something Brian Bendis has thought about. Uh, he definitely has thought of a way that everything that happened in the Ultimate Universe connects with what we have now in the post-Secret Wars Marvel Universe, so maybe someday you'll get it. But for now, just enjoy Miles' adventures. And, you know, by the way, uh, Lance, you might have sent these tweets very far apart, but the way it's presented on this piece of paper, it seems like you took a sudden tangent after a lot of Miles Morales going, how has Cable never fought Kang the Conqueror? <laughs> That's a great question. But it is a great, it question. a great question. Yeah. Seems like they should. That, that should be like a Cable Bishop team-up yeah. book Ooh. where they fight Kang the Conqueror. I mean, they could fight Kang. They could fight Ramu Tut. They could fight Mortis. They could fight Scarleton too. So yeah. the same person? Same yeah. person. Same yeah. person over yeah. and over again. Over and over and over yeah. again. Some would say Doctor Doom. Mmm, that's controversial. I know, that is, that's, a, that's, that's the hottest of takes. That's right. Uh, Raf AB says, my coming soon list on Showtime, I think I have a Marvel bias. And then he posts an image of the coming soon list. Cloak and Dagger, Runaways, The Punisher, The Gifted. Oh, so Showtime is not like the television no, network? No, not the TV network. Showtime, which I'm guessing is, I don't know that Twitter handle, I'm sorry, but it maybe is some sort I of... I think it's a list of things for international TV, because our pal, Raph, is international. Yeah. yeah, he's from France. He's from France. Yep. <laughs> yes. Captain Rogers 44 says, Generations of the Marvels was really great. Love seeing Carol and Kamala together. It's always uh, fun, amazing, and insightful. He I agree. Said, Thank you for the great read, G. Willow Wilson. The art of Paolo Villanelli was amazing. Hashtag Carol Core. Hashtag Ms. Marvel, Captain Marvel. And finally, he says, Ms. Uh, Marvel Legacy 1 was a nice little appetizer for the coming adventures. Really excited for the Legacy Initiative. We are, too. And it's in full force starting this week. Yeah, there's a lot of Legacy. And as we said, you get those great three-page backups with Robbie Thompson writing. Uh, we're going to talk to hopefully talk to him this weekend about that and all sorts of cool stuff. Those stamps, those Mike McCone value stamps. Have you been cutting yours out? No, no, me neither. Anyone? <laughs> no, afraid not. Cool. Yeah, just leaving them there. All right, Scott McElroy, Doctor Spidey says hi this week in Marvel Crew. Hi. Hey. Please hey. let whoever was responsible for the new Foom magazine know that they did a great job. Great article. Uh, Ricky Purden was involved in that. That's how that's how you can tell it was good. Yes. Uh, Brian Overton, Jeff Youngquist, the, the sort of the Marvel special projects and collections team. I believe our own Jim Beard has an article in there. I would assume so. Yeah. Hey, you know what we didn't talk about? No. In the legacy number one issue was a little uh, piece written by Mr. Benjamin Morse. That's right. Writer of Werewolf by Night <laughs> and Werewolf it's by It's hard Eve. to get that guy. How yeah. did that happen? Making his big return. He writes two things. Uh, he either writes non-dialogued one-pagers <laughs> or small paragraphs that fit in the gutter of a letters page. Yep. <laughs> Those are his specialties. But it, was, it was dynamite. It was wham, bam, thank you, ma'am. <laughs> I just got to your remembrance of Fabulous Flo Seinberg. Just wonderful. Hashtag boom. Hashtag this week in Marvel. Christine, you want to take us home? Sure. We got Simon Williams. Wonder Man. Simon's. <laughs> For her first This Week in Marvel, I thought Maggie did very well. Maggie. Did she talk? She did. That was uh, one of, with, when you were out. In, uh, uh, she's when, like, now I can get some stuff off my chest. <laughs> yeah, she just complained about you the whole time. Oh, yeah. Well, she could spin that's her personality. <laughs> knock my teeth um, off. Yes. You're, during your last sojourn to Los Angeles, we had Maggie fill in as the third uh, corner of this particular triangle. With me and Tucker. She showed us up and made us look bad. It's true. <laughs> Easy to do. Uh, Simon continues. I'm sorry I made this week in Marvel. Uh, no, 
308 and with a reference to Hulk passing gas. All my tweets will be classy and dignified from now on. Thank you. Please. <laughs> Swim of the week for 920, Spider-Man. Renew your vows. Renew there your you vows. Go. 11, Normie is crazy than his dad and grandpa. America 7 was a sweet, touching issue. Made me miss my grandpa, th- grandma, though. Both of them. Oh, and nice to see sweet. Spider-Man and Wasp getting along even a little bit in Avengers 11. Iron, Invincible Iron Man number 11 has me convinced comics needs more baby hugging. Get on that, Marvel. It's going to be initiative, right? Yeah. <laughs> that was a really sweet moment. It was. Tony Stark just goes and hugs babies. And you read the, uh, the Oh my page, gosh. The letters page crazy. and Brian Bendis talking about his neighbor and mm-hmm. well, it was really great. Uh, Twim of the week for 927. Black Panther 18. Still the best book Marvel is doing at uh, Tanahasi Coates and reading Generations of America Sam held the shield longer than I expected and it still feels too soon for him to be giving it back honestly I feel Sam's comic was going really well before I got uh, sidetracked for Secret Empire and I'm surprised and glad Marvel was able to keep that one reveal from Marvel Legacy a secret for so long reading Mighty Thor number 23 Thor 1 not through the power of thunder and punching but through the power of love and friendship friendship is dope (laughs) (laughs) and I doubt Moon Girl 23 is the last time we'll see Lunella and Devil Dinosaur together at least I hope not we'll see about that Simon Williams I think they're gone forever (laughs) old words my wife was really upset by that too was she really? tell her I'm sorry I will do no such thing I had nothing to do with it what if she and Devil Dinosaur met Werewolf by Night one day (laughs) (laughs) they wouldn't speak (laughs) they wouldn't speak well that's that's everything we've covered everything you guys uh, you guys get any parting shots anything you want to talk about before we descend into the madness and the muck that is New York Comic Con wow you you went for it I like that No, I'm good. I'm tired. It's going to be a long hey, couple of days. Can you say one more time what, uh, what we should for look for? Thank you for pointing at someone this on an Tucker. audio podcast. <laughs> this, this month we should look for. Do you not know Tucker's word. name? No, I know Tucker's name. <laughs> I, I was wondering if I should say what I wanted to say or not because I wanted to say it one more time, a special word. It makes me very happy. Well, we should check out on Marvel.com. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Halloween spook light. There we go. <laughs> <laughs> Just makes me happy. Little boy. So Thank read so those much. read those spook lights. Uh, keep on Marvel.com. And one more time, Ryan, where should they go to check out New York Comic Con? Marvel.com slash NYCC2017. And Christine, who can they follow on Twitter if they want to get all the latest on the panels? At Marvel Live. And Eric, what will you be doing? I will be uh, helping to tweet from at Marvel Live and t- doing interviews on podcasts with people that are sitting at this very table. I was hoping you'd have a wittier answer. Than I know, but look, <laughs> all I have is Comic-Con schedules running it, through my head. It is what it is. Um, I, there's, we, there's a bunch of news and announcements coming that have already started happening mm-hmm. and coming. Uh, Legion was announced yep. today. Yes. Um, Rogan Gambit Rogan Gambit was announced today. Uh, the new Black Panther book was announced today. Yep. Um, there's there's more to come. There's definitely more to come. There's something was, dropping tomorrow that has gone back and forth about a million times whether we're announcing it or not and driven me and Tucker crazy. But <laughs> as of last count, we're announcing it tomorrow. Great. So we won't talk about it here. Great, 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 great. <laughs> uh, and if you are listening to this during New York Comic Con and you're actually coming to the show, um, find us. Yeah, Let please. us know. Tweet us. Tweet at Marvel Live. Can people find us? Maybe. It's gonna be I'll be cool. around. All right. Yeah. Find You're... me breakdancing out front. Okay. Oh, please. Yes. All right. This is Marvel, your universe. <laughs> <laughs>